Well, we don't know if the first Timothy is in. Second Timothy chapter one. How about now? Second Timothy. Brother Cole, how's second shift treating you, man? Staying awake? <laughs> Are you still getting stuff done? <laughs> Amen. The advantages of being in a small church, you just have small side conversations at will, you know what I mean? Now, if we were a mega church, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be appropriate, you know. All right, <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 1, Brother Cole, why don't you ask the Lord to help us out in the teaching this morning. Amen. All right, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's where we left off here, and Paul's letting Timothy know, listen, he says, when you fear, it's not of God. And of course, he's not talking about you're not supposed to fear God. And, of course, we're not talking about the dumb thing that the one president said, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. That's about the dumbest thing you could say. But rather the fact of the matter is, is you're not supposed to let fear overtake you. David said, at what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. And uh, you have not been given the spirit of fear. It shouldn't permeate your life. It shouldn't pervade your life. Uh, but you've been given these, look at this in the passage here. But you have been given the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, it's a great contrast to what the world wants you to feed. The world wants you to feed off fear. And uh, one of the greatest examples of that is the modern-day news media. Uh, they want to scare they want to scare your pants off. That's what they want to do. They're ridiculous. They're the biggest terrorist organization ever to, to roam. And they major in the business being in everybody else's business. Didn't it bother you when you were younger? Uh, someone would get in your business, you know what I mean? Didn't it bother I mean, didn't it scare you? Like, why do you know that about me? You shouldn't know things about me, right? I'm, face it, there are some things about you that the only person should know about you is your mother and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, But the news media makes everything their business. And they're the biggest bunch of paid, terroristic, busybodies ever to uh, be employed. And But the Paul says here, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Uh, you shouldn't be a Christian running around afraid of uh, this, that, and the other. Amen. You've not been given that spirit, and when you come across that spirit, it came from somewhere else. But uh, you've got to remind you what the Lord has given you, and Paul uh, tells Timothy that. Now, let's look at this thing. I want to look at the spirit of power. Uh, take your Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 28, the spirit of power. 
This is what God has given you, uh, given every Christian. Proverbs chapter 28. 28.1. It's a great verse. And it ought to remind you what you've been given. The Bible says in Proverbs 28.1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Amen? That's not what I want to get at, but that's a good verse to preach right there. You ever wonder why people run off <laughs> in our own ranks? You ever wonder why your friends run off? Some kind of friend, huh? Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And you see that thing? That thing's power. Amen? That's power. Uh, you may be a timid person, or you might be more outgoing, uh, but that doesn't matter when it comes to the power of God. God has given you the spirit of power. Amen? And uh, that spirit of power, you got to remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and 10, uh, even though Saul was uh, head and shoulders above everybody else, uh, he was hiding among the stuff, wasn't he? Uh, but when God got a hold of Saul, he was changed into another man. And that's the spirit of power. And that Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion, bold as a lion. And listen, Christian, when you have the power of God on you, you become bold as a lion. You stop worrying about what your neighbor thinks. You stop worrying about uh, what your family thinks. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm talking about the spirit of power, that boldness that comes from God. And uh, when you lack that power, and don't you lack it sometimes? Okay, just one of you lacks it. When you lack that power, I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just, I'm just checking to see if you're alive. I did hit one single shot of espresso back there, so I just, whew, the jets opened up a little bit, like a, like a two-barrel, not a four-barrel, you know, open it up from the gasoline. Anyways, but uh, when you lack power, you know what you need to do? You need to ask God for it. Amen. So I don't have the power of God. Uh, maybe there's a time in your Christian life where you're more bold to give somebody a track, and now you find yourself just kind of timid about the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I just, oh, I just don't want to create a scene. What is that? That's a lack of power. And when you lack power, you've got to ask God for power because he's the one that's giving you that spirit of power. I'll look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, 18. When you lack power in your Christian life, you lack boldness, you need to ask God for it. That's what Paul did. Paul is our example. He's our example in many things. 6.18, Paul says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You know, you know what we need in this church? We just need some boldness. Amen. Uh, the, the closer it gets to getting home, uh, you know what? We find out they're snakes. That's, uh, that's uh, Acts chapter 27. Uh, that's, uh, that's also Nahash, the snakes. You know what I mean? And Paul's out there. He's doing the work of God, and he's trying to uh, keep uh, the, fire, the wood on the fire. That's a picture of the local church. Amen. And uh, every one of you bring a certain amount of warmth to the local church. Amen. Some of you are like a, a hearty piece of oak. You're there every service. Amen. And you put your piece of oak on, and some of you like a piece of ash. It just burns really, really hot. 
And then uh, Paul's trying to keep the, the fire going. And what comes out of the fire? Snakes. And uh, what happens is, is you start getting bit as a Christian and you get timid. You get timid. Uh, you have an altercation at work go south. You have an altercation with a brother or sister go south. Listen, you have an altercation with a family member. Just go all to pieces, and all of a sudden you find yourself zipping your lip. <laughs> and we're not talking about being uh, ridiculous. We're just saying that when you lack power, you need to pray and ask God for power. Amen. He'll give you power. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. And Paul says that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So if you don't have that power that God has given you, or you've, uh, uh, you, you just need a recharge, right? Just like you do your cell phone. Every night you make sure it's on the charger. We don't make sure that we're on the charger a lot of times, amen? Just need to be plugged in. That's why I like our 440 ministry. I know that sounds so charismatic and just like so, so new age, you know, like it's the 440 ministry. But we meet at 440 to pray. For what? Power. That God would use us, that God would do something with a bunch of hillbillies in Iosco County. Well, I guess there's some in Oakmont. But anyways, nonetheless, we need power. You know, God's given us a big old building, hasn't he? You ever wonder why? I'm still scratching my head. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a gymnasium. I didn't ask for classrooms. I didn't ask for a pastorium. I didn't ask for all this stuff. But we got it. Must be for some reason. Maybe we just need to get asking God for power and boldness so we could bring in the sheep that God needs to be in here getting fed. Amen. And when you lack power, you need to ask God for it. Now, there's two powers that are always going to dominate a preacher. Two powers. And number one's the power of God. Amen. And the other one's the power of personality. <laughs> And a man, now here's the thing, a man with personality can go anywhere and build a big old church without the power of God. Did you hear that? A man with personality, I can name you a dozen right now, and these uh, jack-o'-lanterns don't have any power of God, but they have a personality, don't they? Man, they know how to just get a hold of everyone there and keep them right on the edge of their seat. And they always have the right things to say, and they always seem to have the most... Uh, lucid and vivid illustrations. You ever notice that? That's a real, that's a, say, what is that? That's a gift. God gives a man a gift. And, uh, and other people, they are maybe not as gifted. You know what I mean? But you got to develop that thing. And there's a lot of preachers, a lot of preachers, and you know what they're dominated by? The power of personality. They ain't got enough power on them to blow the fuzz off of Georgia Peach, but though they sure can get a crowd in the room. They walk into the room and, Ooh, you know, everything lights up and everything gravitates. Hey, how are you? It's good that you came to see me today. You know, and that's the power of personality. I mean, they've got all of Dale Carnegie's courses right in the bag, and they're A-plus students, and they run their church like it's a business. That's personality. And then a man with the power of God can do the same thing and have the personality of a bed bug. <laughs> Just a stick. That's two types of power. You say, what would you rather have? I'd rather have the power of God. I pray, you say, what is the power of God? Pfft. Beats the fire out of me. Every once in a while, he shows a little bit of it. But I sure do pray for it. I pray for it in the preaching. I pray for it in my life. 
And man, if you ain't got the power of God, you know it. You say, why? You're always running away from things. We had friends when I was in school. We were on the playground. And you knew they were your friends because when things got tough on the merry-go-round, they'd be right there to get their head beat in with you. Amen? That's <laughs> at Dallas Elementary, <laughs> sixth grade, and I was, we were playing King of the Mountain. Someone had moved a big pile of mulch or chips in there. Yeah, King of the Mountain. Can I tell a story? Thanks. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, sixth grade, you know, I was a real soft farm kid and in Tawas Elementary. I went for half a year there. And I, I said something stupid. I know you find that hard to believe. I just opened my mouth and someone busted my arm. <laughs> Say, what was it? I was trying to run by personality. <laughs> and I found I had no power. <laughs> Say, what would you do? Well, I didn't run my mouth and play king of the mountain. Listen, I'm just saying a man with the power of God can go ahead and do the same thing without the power of personality. And in your life, you ought to ask God for power. Amen? And if you don't have person, if you're not that kind of person who can just pick up a conversation and talk about, listen, it takes some intelligence to be able to talk about a lot of subjects, doesn't it? You start talking about some things, and my wife, she's a, she's a, a professional in the medical field. She'll start talking about things, and I'm, immediately I'm zoning because she's using these, like, uh, abbreviations and these words, I'm like, I can't even spell them. And immediately I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm out. I lack personality in the medical field, amen? But uh, <clears throat> I'd rather have the power of God. And uh, you say, well, how do you know which is which? How do you know <clears throat> whether a preacher is running off personality or he's running off the power of God? Well, sometimes you can. But what you have to tell the difference by is the word of God. Uh, take the Mormons, for example. They don't have the power of God. They got personality. Look at the JWs. They don't have the power of God. But everywhere you look, they got a kingdom hall. Pretty nice building. You know, this building building's worth $3 bucks. we got here. We got, we got insurance on a $3 million building. And you got 30 people. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm just letting you know who we are and where we're at. You say, do you have enough personality for a $3 million building? Of course not. That's why it's going to take the power of God, amen? <laughs> uh, think about, uh, go back in, in, in time, 20, 30 years ago, you had Jimmy Swaggart. He, he didn't have the power of God. He had the power of his mouth. Think about Jim Baker. How in the world did he build that gargantuan ministry? What a fruit loop. His wife had so much makeup on, it looks like her gallbladder busted. You know what I mean? It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you... She, she was on that, that one show, what is it, is PTL. It, she looked like a clown. She had so much makeup on, you know. It's just, <laughs> you know, her cheeks are like a clown. <laughs> it's, just, it's personality. And uh, they didn't have the power of God. You say, how in the world they build it? Personality. Uh, the, the old business motto is, build it and they will come. Let me tell you what, in 2023, if you're a Bible believer, you build it, they will not come. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's got to be the power of God and God putting his hand on people and saying, look, that's where you need to go eat. That's where the sheep get fed. That's where the hogs get slopped. And I'd rather have the power of God than be able to put on this perfect little illustration and presentation all the time. And Okay, this is community building 2023 and 2024, greater vision for Tower City. Look, I want to see people say, but unless you and I get the power of God on us, it ain't going to happen and you lose your power. And, all right, now let me show you this. You want power, not personality. So when you lack power, you got to ask for it. Look at Zechariah chapter 4. 
you want power in the Christian life. And the things that your preacher struggled with for many, many years as I was in sales. And the one thing they teach you in sales is you got to have personality. I worked with people. I worked at the Golden Arches for way too many years and was able to defuse situations, put out fires, and, and created a handful of them at the same time. You know, And then you get into another sales job here, and you're, you're raising up the corporate ladder, and you're getting better, and you're building success, and you're building a resume, and then God puts you behind a pulpit, and you're like, okay, that stuff don't work. You find out real quick you got to have the power of God. And if you're going to do something for the Lord, it don't matter what it is, you're going to have to have his power. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's how you get something done. Not by your might, not by your vast Bible knowledge, not by your ability to doctrinally dispensate everything that you can think of, but it's going to be by spiritual power. Spiritual power. And, uh, of course, you know this, but if you look over at Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, you find out about that power and that power that lies within you. You know what it does? It has the power to overcome temptation. It has the power to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God. That's the power. It's not ours. And every once in a while, the Lord will let you get a hold of the power of God, and you'll think it's because of you. And then you start thinking it's because of you, and then you realize he'll, the Lord will just say, okay, if it's your own power, you get it done, and then you can't do nothing. Then the Bible says, without me, ye are nothing. That's what, that's what you're preaching, big fat zero without Jesus Christ. That's why I pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, because if it's just up me up here running my gums, what a waste of time. All right, now the spirit of power. You find out it makes you bold as a lion. And you ought to pray for that power. Even if you don't understand it, pray for it. Say, Lord, give me your power. Just a simple prayer. It's spiritual power. And then number two, uh, you in Romans 6 and Romans 7, you have power to overcome sin. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> it's to me, amen. <laughs> and then uh, how about this one? First John chapter 3, verse 22, talk about the spirit of power. You have power to get prayers answered. Some of you have been praying for things and praying for things, and you get discouraged. And you say, I just don't see it happen. You've got to get plugged in. How in the world can we figure out uh, the society that we, you and I live in We've got all the answer to all the political machines and machinery, and we've got, we've got all the answers to the economy, but we can't get a prayer answered. I don't understand that. But uh, we have power to get our prayers answered. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, the Apostle John says, he says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And you say, well... I think I'm doing right. Okay, you keeping his commandments. You see the second part of that verse? You're pleasing in his sight. You please the Lord every day or do you please yourself? I mean, think about it. The first thing you do, you wake up in the morning. You please the Lord or you please yourself? First thing you do after a long day at work, do you come home and say, how can I please the Lord or how can I please myself? 
That's a hard one. Middle of the day when you're about ready to fire everybody and you're not the boss, but if you could, you would. You say, I want to please the Lord or I want to please myself. That's the business. All right? <clears throat> That's the power to get our prayers answered. Not only that, but next, uh, I'll give you this one. We have the power to witness. Power to witness. That's in 1 Timothy 4, uh, verses uh, 2 to 4. He says, preach the word. That's the power to witness. Uh, a lot of people, again, they, uh, they think that, well, you know, I, I, can't, uh, I can't tell someone else about the Lord. And let me tell you what. If you're relying on your personality, you're right. You can't. But if you're relying on the power of God, the most timid person in the world can tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ because it's God's power, not yours. Not yours. I didn't say there were some people that were better than others. I've sat across the table from some fellow who would tie you in knots, and he'd convince you after 20 minutes that you weren't saved and you were saved all your life. That's personality. Lawyer stuff, you know. Weak stuff, debased stuff, but you have power to witness. That's 1 Timothy 4, verses 2 to 4. And again, that's power, not personality. You say, why? Personality will fail you. Amen? But power, the power is not of us, it's of God. Now something else in Titus 1.13. Titus 1.13. The Lord gives us, uh, he's given us uh, power and power to rebuke sinners. And some people mistake this for uh, rebuking the brethren all the time. And let me just say this by way of experience. If you think you're going to go ahead and you're going to approach the brethren ad nauseum and rebuke them, it's going to come back at you. <laughs> all right? And uh, you might rebuke a brother, but listen, you ought to be rebuking sinners. Amen? You want to rebuke a sinner? Get out on that street corner and hold a sign. Get out of there in town and leave a track. Tell someone they need to be saved. You realize you're rebuking a sinner by telling them they need Jesus Christ? You're telling them, look, you're not good enough to make it on your own. That's a rebuke. You know why witnessing is so difficult? Because you have to rebuke someone to do it. You have to dent their fender. You have to say, you're no good. And if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to burn in hell forever. <laughs> good morning. How are you? Have a great day. You know, Smile. Jesus loves you <laughs> and all that stuff, you know. You've got to rebuke sinners, and God gives you that power. I'll give you another one. Uh, power to rebuke sinners, and then power to endure suffering. And that's uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, 4 to 7. Power to endure suffering. You want to talk about enduring some suffering? You need to get a hold of Fox's Book of Martyrs and read about the first century martyrs, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth century, and how much they suffered. Not only that, just study the lives of the disciples, even what history says about them. They suffered. They endured suffering. And how about this one? First John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. We have power to overcome the world. First John 5, 1 to 5. I'm telling you, God has given us the spirit of power. You don't have to be overcome by the world. You have the power to overcome the world. I've been in church ever since I was a little kid. 
uh, made to sit still, made to behave, and if not, I was taken out and had my backside tanned. Amen? I believe that's all you ought to raise kids in church. You ought to raise them to sit still and listen up. You say, why? You're so stinking cruel. Uh, you, need to, you, know, you need to be a little bit softer parent. Let me tell you what. I see what soft parenting is doing to this society. You help yourself. You be a soft parent. You can raise a bunch of wild hellions is what you're going to do. And if you're not going to tell them what to do, you know who's going to tell them what to do? The police. See, everything now in the public school system, there's, you, can't, uh, you can't whip a kid, you can't spank a kid, you can't give them corporal punishment. Mom and dad don't do it. And so everything in school is now a felony. You see what I mean? They've got to have police officers in the school. That's what happens when you take the paddles out of school. You've got to have Johnny Law there now. But uh, you have power to overcome the world. And I was raised in church, and uh, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I was on a good rabbit and chasing it, and I lost it under the brush pile. Raise your kids in church. Do the best you can. That doesn't mean they'll turn out right, but within the time, they'll realize the power that you have, that power is of God, and it'll overcome the world. I'll give you one more. Now, that's enough on that. That's the spirit of power. Let's talk about the spirit of love. You say, I like love better than power. Well, I like love, too. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we've been given the spirit of love, and that spirit of love is a strange thing. Love is a strange thing, isn't it? Uh, you, take, uh, you take carnal love, like you have love for your spouse, your husband, or your wife, and you'll fight like cats and dogs, and then you'll just love and, and snuggle the next minute. It's weird, ain't it? Just weird stuff. You're just like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then you're thinking, I hate you. I wish I never married you. And then you're like, oh, but you're the best thing that ever. That's, love's a weird thing, man. It's weird. Um, and that spirit of love is very, very strange. And I want you to think about it. It's strange toward God, too, because we can love God even when he does things to us we don't think we deserve. Ever think about that? God's done some things to you. He's let things happen to you. He's done things to you. And you said, I didn't deserve that. Sure you have. You've even, you've, and this is how you preface it. Why, Lord? If you didn't think you deserved it, you wouldn't ask why. Why do I got to go through this? Why do I got to deal with this? Why do I got to put up with this? But it's a strange thing. But sometimes God will do something to you that you don't think you deserve to go through. Look at Romans 8.28. Here's the, here's the great verse on it. Romans 8.28. Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Isn't that crazy? That spirit of love there in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It lets me love God when I don't think God deserves it. I know that's a long way of saying it there. But face it, you felt that way before, and so have I. But he says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now connected with that spirit of love uh, is this. Uh, John 14, 23, you love God and you love his word. You love God's word. You love God's word today? 
People that don't love the Bible, they scare me. People that don't love the Bible, they spook me. Uh, you see billboards around town. You see uh, online uh, advertisements. We're a friendly church. We, we love God. And we love God's people. And they're using some, you know, whacked out version of the Bible. That's weird. How can you love God and love people but not love God's word? That's an oxymoron. Uh, John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will have a friendly church. It's not what it says. If a man love me, he will have dinner on the grounds at least once a month. <laughs> he said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Isn't that interesting? There's only one church out of the seven churches that kept God's word. That was the Philadelphia church age out of which we got a King James Bible from in that period of time. Isn't that interesting? The Philadelphia church period is a time period in church history that kept God's word. And that's where you get your King James Bible from. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. You want the Lord to love you even more than he does because he bought and paid for you? Love his book. Love his words. Keep his words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Like I said, the person that doesn't love the Bible, they're spooky. I wouldn't trust anybody who believes in another version of the Bible. They're Why? They're the authority. You got to realize when it's either King James or nothing. You say why? Because you're you're singular in your authority. If you believe in any other Bible, then you believe in multiple authorities. That's the Roman Confession. The Roman Confession says uh, this uh, text of the Bible and the uh, the Church Fathers. Multiple authorities. Well, we'd have to see what Justin Martyr said. Oh, we'd have to check and see what the, the Council of Chalcedon said. Or we're going to have to see about the Council of Trent or the Council of Ephesus. We're going to have to see what Father Irenaeus said. Or who knows and who cares? Amen? If you believe in the King James Bible, you believe that this book is the final authority in all practice and matters. Or you believe in multiple authorities. And if you believe in multiple authorities, which is a Roman position, that makes you the final authority. And you kick out God. So you've got to keep his, uh, keep his words. Not only that, but within the spirit of love is that you love God, you love his word, and then, and only then, can you proper, properly love God's people. You see that? That's the order. Isn't it interesting we learn love from the, the beloved apostle John? The spirit of love is one that allows me to love God when I don't think God deserves my love. Uh, connected with the spirit of love is the ability to love God's word. That's John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then the spirit of love allows me to love God's people. If you don't have God's word, you won't love God's people the way you should. You say, how so? All right, Psalm 119. Let me show you real quick. If you don't love God's word, you won't love God's people the way you should. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. So when you love the book, it gives you great peace, doesn't it? Don't you know a bunch of God's people all worked up like a top? I mean, their blood pressure is so stinking high, they're about ready to stroke out. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. 
Now, we're not talking about you just going out of your way to be obnoxious and to make the brethren mad and to do things that are sinful and perverse. But let's just say you and your own divine personality, there's that word again, uh, irritate somebody that loves the book. They might grant you that you irritate them, but they're not going to be offended by it. You see what I mean? And you can't love the brethren. You can't love God's people. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't go to a church that preaches out of the NIV and love God's people the right way. Can't do it. Why? Well, how can you take God's word and not keep them and let them take thirty to 60,000 words out of it and then turn around and think you can love God's people the right way when you don't even have the right Bible? That's the order of it. All right, the spirit of love. You love God's word, or you love God, you love God's word, you love God's people. And uh, now here's the thing. Uh, look at Acts chapter 13. Sometimes people, God's people will really disagree with you. <clears throat> Boy, this must all be new information for some of y'all. Amen. <laughs> I mean, because I figure when you say God's people disagree with you, man, you'd be shouting me out of here, even though we're not a shouting church. <clears throat> 13. Acts 13, 39. That's not where we're at. Where's, uh, is it 1439? It's where uh, John, Mark, and Paul and Barnabas are getting all bent out of shape. Fifteen, thank you. Fifteen thirty-nine. Perfect. That's it. All right, this is the contention between Paul and Barnabas. And the contention is over another brother. Does that sound familiar? You ever known Christians who get upset with each other because of somebody else? Uh, all right, so 39, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. Here's the thing, who is right? We don't know. We don't hear from Barnabas again. But we do hear from Paul, and we do hear from John Mark, and at the end of Mark's ministry, I believe it's in 2 Timothy, he says, bring John Mark with him, for he's profitable for the ministry. So, listen, there's going to be times where the contention is so sharp between you and brethren, you'll have to split. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> but you keep going on for God. Why? Because he can use both of you. Maybe your personalities are too big that you too can't be in the same building. But God's not done with you and God's not done with them. And uh, But here's the thing. I think about all the lost time that John Mark had. I don't know how long he sat around and, you know, listened to the blues or watched cable TV or whatever he did. Remember, Demas was out for love in the world, but John Mark, he's just on the backside of nowhere doing nothing. And finally, Paul says, bring him. He's profitable. And you say, well, what did he do? He wrote the book of Mark. You ever read the book of Mark? You ever read his style of writing? And, 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 and. There, there are probably more ands in the book of Mark. There's any, you say, why? He's trying to make up for lost time. Why? He had a falling out with the brethren and he got carried away. I'm just saying, you can love God's people, but you're going to disagree with them. Uh, one old preacher said, if you put the five of, of the hottest preachers in the world in the same room, uh, there'd be blood running under the doors in an hour. <laughs> But sometimes uh, people disagree with you, but you really love them. 
And, uh, but Paul still loved uh, Barnabas, and Paul still loved John Mark. He just disagreed with them. You say, what did he do? He went his own way, he ran his own race, and he let the Lord deal with it. That's what you got to do with disagreements. Run your race. Run patiently the race that is set before you. Amen? Stay in your own lane. Now, if Paul would have gotten Barnabas's lane, he'd have been wrong. And if Barnabas would have gotten Paul's lane, he would have been wrong. But they stayed in their own lane. They ran their race. And later on, you see the Lord using John Mark again. You know, I'd like to see God use some of the brethren that I don't care too much for. I mean that, too. You say, I can't believe you said that. Oh, stop it. There are some Christians that you despise, and you know it. You know what? I'd like to see God use those people. Why? That's a blessing, ain't it? I mean, those come on now. We're all right, yeah? Amen. Haven't you had some Christians over the years just clip you just as close to the cotton as it is? And you see, <laughs> I mean, some people see you in the store. They go the other way. I heard my preacher preach about it for 18 years. I'm like, why would you run the other way in a store? I was always happy to see my preacher. Well, father-in-law, whatever, you know. And all of a sudden, the Lord put me over here, and all of a sudden, people started ducking and covering me. I'm like, well, what did we do? Well, you got beer in there? I don't care. Root beer, you know, light beer. Help yourself, man. I ain't drinking it. <laughs> but that's disagreements. And the only way you can love God's people, right, is because God's given you the spirit of love. Spirit of love. Now, something else. Well, I'm trying to bring this to a close here. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Verse 1 and 2, uh, connected with that spirit of love is a love for lost souls. Great passage of scripture there in Psalm 126. The Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I always thought... Why in the world did God stick a soul-winning verse in the middle of the Psalms? You ever think about that? Please tell me I'm not the only hillbilly that ever thought that. Don't you normally get your doctrine from Roman or uh, Romans to Philemon? Don't we get that? But you see, when you read your Bible, God stick that stuff. It, he'll stick it all over the place. That's a verse on soul-winning. And uh, notice what's connected to winning souls. Tears. In a while, I don't know, some of you got saved later on in life, you wouldn't have wept for anything but Lassie or whatever, um, <clears throat> whatever stinking Southern Baptist movies out now, Facing the Giants or... <laughs> yeah, I, won't, I won't watch it. <clears throat> Why? I'm not going to give my tears to Hollywood. But love for lost souls. And some people, before they save, they wouldn't cry for nothing. But isn't it interesting now when you start getting close to the Lord and you love God's word the way you should, you love God's people, and you get down to pray for your neighbors, you get down to pray for family, all of a sudden tears begin to form. That's love. That's connected with love. Love for God's people and love for lost souls. Isn't it something? The, more, the closer you get to the Lord, I know the closer you get to the devil too, but the, Lord, the closer you get to the Lord, the Lord will soften you towards souls. You find a man who's really, really callous and don't care about people, I'd say he's probably not too close to the Lord. But that's a love for lost souls. A love for lost souls. And uh, how about this one? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. You know the passage there. Connected that thing with love. 
is the ability to love heavenly things. Now, uh, <clears throat> if you've been saved most of your life, uh, you might not understand that, but uh, how is it that you love church? How is it that you uh, love the Bible? How is it that you love uh, the thought of going to heaven? I understand that carnally as a Christian, we can just look at it as an escape, but man, what an escape. You know, you want to get on me for just wanting to get out of here? Guilty! <laughs> I love heavenly things. I love the thought of getting out of here, amen? You say, well, God has, I know God's got stuff for me to do. You too, relax. But man, if, if, if I had a chance, I'd be hit the button and blow the horn. Let's get out of here. Love heavenly things. You love, do you love the Lord? Do you love uh, the thought of uh, getting a brand new body? Oh, you're really in love with the body you got then? <laughs> you wake up every morning and go, oh, man, this is something fantastic. I just, Lord, thank you so much that you have created me so fearfully and accented on the wonderful part. <laughs> no, you get up in the morning, you're like, okay, mirror, I'll come back to you when I've done everything the best I can do, and then you've done the best you can do. You're like, yeah, it's what it's going to be. Amen? But you start loving heavenly things. You love the thought of Getting out of here, going to heaven. You love the thought of a brand new body. How about this one? You love the thought of uh, seeing loved ones up there. Saints that have gone before you. I still miss to this day. Getting ready to get behind this ugly, ugly wooden pulpit. And I miss this. Come on, preacher! You say, well, uh, you just like uh, someone to egg you on. Yeah, if you had to preach here, you would too, amen. <laughs> <coughs> there are so many times I get up to preach a message behind this pulpit. My old brother Mick would say that, and I'd be like, I'm preaching to Mick today, <laughs> amen. <clears throat> you love heavenly things. That's the spirit of love. You love heavenly things, why? That passage says, because you set your affection on them. Think about the reason you love your wife, your family, and your friends. It's because you set your affection on them. And you can surely tell what a man loves by what his affection is set upon. All right, we'll stop right there, and we'll, uh, we'll focus. Uh, next time we get together on this, we'll focus on that sound mind. The Bible has a lot to say about your mind. And the next time we're together in Sunday school, we'll go over that part in verse 7, how he's given us a sound mind. All right, we'll stop there.